You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selig. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. Well, today my guest is Ruthina Malone. Ruthina is a member of the Iowa City School Board, administrator at the University of Iowa, a member of the Kirkwood Community College Foundation Board with me, and um, has a great story and background how she's come to Chicago and got her degree here and now um, is leader in our community. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank, a community bank since 1893, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. I'm excited today to have Ruthina Malone here as my new best friend for the podcast, so Ruthina is a member of the Iowa City School Board, um, been a long time Iowa City resident, and works at the University of Iowa. Ruthina, thanks for coming to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Tom. I'm looking forward to chatting. Well, great. Um, uh, I have not really officially met you before. I did vote for you, though. I, I'm sort of old, as I tell people, <laughs> and I didn't know who to vote for, so I asked all my neighborhood friends who to vote for, and they said, vote for Ruthina. So... As I understand, this is your second term in the school board. Is that right? Yes, I just started my second term back in November. Um, and thank you for that vote. Every vote counts. <laughs> so I was very excited to get the opportunity to serve for another four years. Well, great. Well, let's talk a little bit about who you are. I, uh, I know you have, a, you have a daughter and your husband's a teacher. Tell us about your, your family. Sure. Um, my, I'm originally from Chicago, so I came to the University of Iowa in 1994 and just never left Iowa City. Um, my daughter is a student here at the University of Iowa, uh, wrapping up a degree in anthropology and museum studies and entrepreneur leadership. I hope I got that all right. Um, and my husband works in um, Iowa City School district as an art teacher. Uh, He used to work out at West Liberty for like 14 years before he came to Iowa City, and he loves it. He's at two of our local elementary schools, um, so he travels between those two. And he and I both have been here. Well, he came in the late 80s to Iowa City and never left. And like I said, I came in 94. And Iowa City's been home ever since. Well, great. Now tell me about your your uh, your position. You work for the um, your administrator, right, in the Department of Liberal Arts and Sciences in the Department of Psychology and Brain Sciences. Yes, psychological and brain uh, sciences. Okay. Formerly uh, just yeah, give department me a little background what that does. What 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 that department does? Sure. Um, I I basically work with a faculty DEO to run the entire department. So hiring. Um, overseeing our programs for graduate students, our clinical um, studies. We have an actual clinic that sees people in the community as well as folks uh, tied to the University of Iowa and provide clinical services, so therapy, um, as well as some testing services, um, whether or not you're being tested for a learning disability or things of that nature. So we oversee that. Um, We're spread out across three different buildings because we have several research labs that um, 
focuses in on animal research, human research, and clinical research. So um, we have the newest building on Iowa Avenue. I don't know if you've been downtown Iowa City. Yeah, the, or the new building. Yes, there, that's our new building. Oh, yeah, it is lovely, beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. next time you're downtown, come give me a heads up. I'm I will. Happy I'll call to you. Show you around. I love that building. Um, we have a beautiful space of public art, um, a mural right there on the ground level. So anytime you're there, let me know. So I oversee supervising staff of about 12 um, just to make sure our department runs efficiently day to day. Well, great. That sounds like a great job, man. Yeah, still I don't quite understand all that, but uh, I will come down and see you. I've always wanted to see, check that building out. Yes, please do. I give tours um, to some of our donors, to uh, prospective students. So I'm an old pro at giving tours of that building now. Right. <laughs> now, how many students are involved in the program? So our undergrad program, we're one of the largest majors for the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences. So we have anywhere from 13 to 1400 undergrad majors. And for our graduate program, um, at any given time, we can have anywhere from 75 to 90 graduate students working on their masters and or PhDs. And we have a faculty of I believe right now it's 38 faculty, so that's tenure-track faculty and what they call adjunct faculty. Wow. There's 1,300 students or more in the programs? Undergrad, yes. Undergrad. So they're studying to get their bachelor's or bachelor's of science and uh -huh. psychology. And the funny story there, I'm a product of that department, so I earned my bachelor degree from that department. Very interesting. I had no idea it was such a large department. It is. That's very impressive. Yeah. Well, good. So tell me about um, what you do in your spare time when you aren't working <laughs> on the school board, so it takes a lot of time, but um, tell me about hobbies or other things that you do. I, my, my biggest um, hobby is just to give back to the community. I'm on the Kirkwood Foundation Board with you now. Right. Um, yep. So this is the first term I'm doing that. I oftentimes look for ways just to give back to the community. Um, I'm looking to become a big sister for Johnson County Big Brothers Big Sisters um, because I enjoy working with little ones. Um, and. Reading is a passion of mine. I haven't had a lot of free time to do that lately, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I love doing that and finding time for my husband and I to go and work out. We usually try and hit the gym at least three times a week. Wow, that's impressive. <laughs> now, what about uh, vacations and travel? Are you um, not? <laughs> no, not since the pandemic. We're um, really homebodies. I yeah. think the furthest we've gone um, since the whole pandemic started was to visit family in Chicago. Sure. Uh, my husband and I both are from Chicago. Um, so we have uh, family still there. His dad still lives there. So we recently um, went to visit him, I would say, over the summer. That was the last time we went there. So we went to visit him and his sister. Um, but I have siblings in Wisconsin, so we look forward to visiting my brother out there at least once a year, and that's usually sure. around the summer. Um, but I also have siblings that live here in town, so they just followed me, and so that makes it kind of nice. Well, great. That's very nice. Well, tell me about the school district and stuff, uh, issues that you were working on. I guess one issue is always funding, I know, but um, yeah. and dealing with the, uh, the virus. Um, Give us a little history of how that's going. Well, it feels like 
every day is a new challenge. I mean, we're still in the midst of dealing with the pandemic, making sure that we try and keep our teachers and our students as healthy as possible. Um, recently, a ruling came down um, regarding the state ma mask mandate, and essentially, our school district can still keep their masks because one, we have a plaintiff um, involved in suing the state, and two, we have students with disabilities that we have to ensure we're protecting in order to get a public education. So we're keeping our folks mask. It's still mandated that you have to wear a mask if you're on any of our properties. Um, we're working with staff sh shortages because unfortunately we're seeing some of our teachers um, get sick as well as our paraeducators and our bus drivers. So it makes it very difficult to run an Enterprise as large as ICCSD, um, but it's been really great working with our current super. Um, he's been in that post officially for a year, Mac Degner. So it's been great having him at the ham. So it's not a whole lot of worries there. Um, yeah. And he works well with our school board. We're also watching Des Moines to see um, as this legislative session rolls out how they plan on funding the school, ho schools, hopefully adequately, um, because we, we can't operate without funding. But uh, it looks as though they're going to pass some new bills and laws related to um, private schools, or I would say, um, what's the word? Charter schools? Yes, there yeah, we go. Yeah. Charter schools. There's that trend, I know. Mm -hmm. That trend, that's come up every single session since I've been on the school board. And it seems like every session it gets a little bit closer to passing um, and chipping away at chipping away at public education. Sure. And um, there's also some new bills uh, out there forcing teachers to stand and recite the Pledge of Allegiance. So that should be interesting because the same bill that they rolled out last year requiring students to recite the pledge, it had sort of a caveat in there where students could sit and not say it. But now it's the reverse, that they want to force all teachers to stand and recite it. And I'm like, you can't have it that way if you don't force kids. So that's going to be interesting to watch to see how that works. Yeah, I wasn't aware of all those issues. Yeah, it's a lot. And we're losing two of our um, local state legislators, uh, Mary Masher mm -hmm. and... Joe Bochum, yes. down. Yeah, I know that. So I'm a little bit worried. Um, I know we'll get some great people to replace them, but we're losing so much institutional knowledge with oh, yeah. them. Experience, I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, so that's a little bit scary to see those two leave. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So on the funding issue, um, uh, I guess one of the issues now is inflation, that the inflation is here. Um, obviously, it's up recently in the last in the six months or so. Mm -hmm. and, and the issue, can the state keep up with the, the needs for inflation? The concern, I guess, my observation is they cannot or they, they will not. They probably will not. Yeah. They have a surplus budget that yeah. I think they could probably keep up with it, but the biggest concern is they won't. I mean, mm -hmm. they just haven't in past years when inflation wasn't as huge, but um, public schools are struggling quite a bit just to find things that they need because there's a shortage um, for the supply of things. We get updates from our nutritional services department that almost every week they have to replan their menus just mm -hmm. because they don't have some of the items that they need. Not saying that kids aren't still getting a nutritional lunch. Sure, I understand. It just mm -hmm. changes the menu because um, 
prices have gone up on certain items or certain items they just can't get because they're not in stock. But the main concern from a school board perspective is everything has gone up so much, every right. single thing. So if we don't get funded adequately by the state, we can see some serious concerns or have some tough um, decisions that we'll have to make down the line. Because one of the results of that lack of funding, I think, is that at some point it's the student-teacher ratio. I mean, a large part of your budget, I think, is personnel, right? Yes, that is the largest part of our budget. And I think that's true for any public school. The largest part of your budget will be the people aspect of it. But here in Iowa City, it's over 85% of our budget, um, keeping people in our classrooms. And that's where... Um, myself as a board member, I want to make sure most of our funding is having a direct impact on the kids that's in the classes. Sure. So making sure we have the right people in front of them. And we already see some rather large class sizes. So parents will see that immediate effect if we don't get enough funding from the state that those class sizes will continue to go up. Right. No, it's, it's, uh, it's an issue. There's no doubt, you know, it's something we have to watch, all of us. So we'll see what happens. Fingers this year. crossed, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so other one, what else is going on in the schools that we should know about the the general public? The, I think uh, the school district is still growing, right? The, there's more and more students every year. Schools are still growing because of the faith that the public had us in us um, for that historic bond that we passed four years ago. They entrusted us um, with. Um, additional PEPL and um, SAVE dollars uh, mm -hmm. this last election. So that means we'll be able to undergo our facilities master plan 2.0. So a lot of exciting things will be taking place under that plan. Um, one is taking a look at Hills Elementary out at, because we sure. still own Hills, mm -hmm. um, and giving them a school that a new school, essentially, because mm -hmm. they're one of the few ones that um, that building is really old and it doesn't make sense to go in and try and update it because it sure. will not bring it up to the standards that they need. So we're looking at building a new school for Hills, um, as well as updating some of the safety and security measures in some of our schools, because most of all of our schools now have secured entrances, meaning you just can't walk off the street and right. you're right there in the building, but you walk into sort of like um, a lobby area and then you have to buzz to the secretary or main office and they have cameras so they can see potentially if someone looks a little bit suspicious coming in with sure. something that they shouldn't be carrying and they can keep themselves as well as the students safe but we don't have that in every single one of our schools and um, one in particular West High they don't have a secured entrance right now they have their doors locked and sort mm -hmm. of a secured entrance sure. but not yeah. one that lets out directly by the main office so they'll be getting that um We'll be demolishing Hoover Elementary um, soon um, to make room for additions out at City High. So there's a lot going on under the new facilities plan that people should get excited about and constantly watch us as we make more plans and talk more with the public. Well, that's exciting. I'm a old City High graduate. I know the new addition out there and stuff is people are excited about it and Again, this sort of changes the whole climate of the school. So it it's does. Very it's, exciting. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, they have that um, new 
entrance into uh, City High, an expanded lunchroom for students to use. It's sort of like lunchroom, multi-purpose room. We had a beautiful donation from a local family with um, a Little Hawk statue mm. that it's it's beautiful in honor of um, not only their son that they lost, but other Little Hawks mm-hmm. that um, we've lost over the years. So that's just a great way to greet students and folks coming into City High. So if people haven't gotten a chance to visit City High, because I know under the pandemic, um, visitors haven't been allowed, but try and find a sporting event or um, one of their programs that they do allow the public in for and just take a look around because it's absolutely beautiful out there. My daughter went to City High, so yes, I'm a little bit biased. (laughs) That's okay. Important pride in your school, you know? Yeah. It's good for everybody. Our schools are great. I mean, um, we were talking earlier that you were a Lincoln family back in the day. Lincoln underwent under the first facilities master plan. Beautiful renovations. I don't right. know if you've had a chance. I've been there. To go yeah, I have seen them. Yep. Man Elementary is another one that right. um, looks like a totally different school. I've been there too. You know, yeah. it's very impressive. It is. Now, do you expect on the on the elementary school level, you expect to build new schools because the town keeps growing, or what's what's your view there? Most likely, yes, um, but it's a matter of trying to find land (laughs) big enough for what we'll need for school um, and making sure we place it in a location where we are seeing growth because you you don't want to build a school in an area that you're not seeing the number of kids coming into the district. So we're looking into that as well um, and possibly junior highs. That may be something that we'll need because right now we only have three junior highs and um, three traditional high schools and one alternative high school. But it may come a point in time that we might have to add to that as well. No, I agree. uh, I was involved with Alexandria School a few years ago when they first built that school. And that school just changed the whole neighborhood, a brand new school. It just is sort of a testimony of the commitment of the school district to that that area of the town and the community and it's it's made a big difference down there i think and then sc- nice schools count it I, absolutely I mean, does no, a pride in you then the building and stuff i think it's you know, it's good for the staff as far as recruiting too so it it's it's a huge recruiting tool that we can use because you don't want to recruit someone mm-hmm. into an old decrepit building that was sort of like my old work building i was in <laughs> right. seashore hall oh, that yeah. building was just a disaster they tore it down didn't they, they did. it's, it's gone <clears throat> completely gone it's now green space but that was always something that we had to deal with um at the university because when we tried to recruit new faculty and they're like wait what this is the building but it was kind of nice these last couple of years when we were recruiting because we could point to the new building and say yes we're here temporarily but right across that little alleyway right. will be a brand new building and you'll get a beautiful lab in that brand new building yeah. so um it's just as important for the school district because we want to take pride in our community um not only for the teachers and staff we're recruiting but for the students we want them to um enjoy their public education in their community well good well i think things are going well i've met matt degner along the way and he was in my podcast one time and uh he really is a special person he really is sensitive to the needs of the community i think you know it's uh yeah 
he's a, a great leader, I think. He is. He's he's really great. You know, we lucked out in having somebody that great and that prepared right. um, on staff already when um, Steve Murley left. Mm-hmm. And I know, I remember when, you know, we named him as interim, we were still talking about doing a national search of trying to make sure we bring in the right person. But as the months went on, went on working with him, especially during the pandemic, we saw that we had the right person already in the chair. <laughs> And, I, I mean, he yep. was outstanding. The connections he make, not only with staff, but with parents and students in a community. Uh, he, Hopefully we can keep him for as long as we need him. And as long as he's happy and his family is happy here, hopefully he'll stay. Because he's been a great addition to our leadership team. No, I agree. Well, tell me more about your background. You grew up in Chicago. I did. And then what was, uh, what, how'd you get to Iowa? Well, no, wait, wait. um... Let's see. I went to a vocational high school. I don't know if you know much about vocational high school. It does not prepare you for college. Right. Um, and I actually graduated with sort of like a certificate in sheet metal work. And I'm like, I'm not going to use this. I don't want to go work in a construction site. Right. <laughs> um, but lucky for me, I met Dr. Nicholas Colangelo with the Bell sure. and Blank Center. Oh, he yeah. started a program called Project Achieve, and it was taking inner center, inner city youth that um, most likely did not have an opportunity to go to college and he brought us down to Iowa City for two summers from our junior and senior year and uh, worked with us to prepare us for the AP calculus exam. Holy smokes. Yeah, it was just, it was um, sort of like based off that movie that I cannot think of it off the top of my head, but it's a Latino actor and he's working with um, a group of inner city kids to prepare them for the AP, I think, English exam. Mm -hmm. So um, that was one of the first movies that he had us watch too. So sort of to give us inspiration Um, and met him and just saw a different life that like, I wanna go to college, how do I get here? He offered scholarships to folks that did uh, roughly well on the AP exam. And since we were all first generation college students, those of us that came to Iowa, um, he didn't just bring us on campus and say, all right, fend for yourselves, kiddo. Um, He had study session tables where folks on his staff actually worked with us to make sure we were um, learning how to acclimate to college life because nobody in our family had ever gone to college. So wanted to make sure we were balancing that fun time with actually while you were here in Iowa to get a degree studying. Um, He met with us on a weekly basis just to check in. And he really became not only for some of us a father figure, but also a friend check in with us as we progress. So that was my opportunity down to the University of Iowa. Um, I earned my bachelor's, then went to grad school and earned my master's in rehabilitation counseling. And I'm still friends with him today. I see him on the pet mall or I'll run into him at one of the local stores just to give him a heads up. I'll email him if something exciting has happened either in my life or in my kiddo's life because he's met my kid, my husband. So he feels more like part of the family. That's a great story. It's, uh, again, it shows one person can make a difference. I mean, he, yes. In the, in, in the personal commitment, that's what is interesting there, that he followed through, and 
he became your friend. He did. And um, <clears throat> he did that program for, I want to say it's at least five different classes of us because after I went through it, one of my younger brothers actually went through it and also came to the University of Iowa. And he lives here now in Iowa City and works at the University of Iowa as well. But through him, we had that introduction of life outside of Chicago. So um, he started a little spark in my family that, you know, I'm no longer the only one in my family with a college degree. That's that's impressive. That's a, a great story. It gives you hope about life. You know? Yeah, seriously. He, he was great. And I, I share with him every time I talk about him. So I'll be sharing this, too, when it comes out. Well, good. So he can hear. I mean, he really did make a difference. And I know it's just not in my life. I've talked to other people folks that went through the program you know he laid that foundation for other people well again it's uh, gives us all hope as far as all of us can maybe in our own way make a difference in some way so yes a little small seed can make a huge difference for somebody else yeah well great well tell me and then with the pandemic and the virus um did you watch a lot of tv or netflix or what do, what do, what do you do as far as um you have a favorite show or movies that you want to tell us about? <laughs> this is probably going to make me sound like a little old lady. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> our favorite show at home is Judge Judy. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's, no. I, I got some friends. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I actually <clears throat> make my husband bless his heart that he tolerates it. Oh, yeah. Um, so so I escape keep, a little bit there. Yes. Yeah. I, and so we can laugh at yeah. other, like, why are you suing for this? So, right. you know, we still Devo her old episodes, and sometimes we catch her new episodes on prime video oh yeah um so and then the other part that i've also gotten my husband a little bit hooked on is true life uh true crime shows so he'll sit and he sometimes raises his eyebrow at me because my favorite one is this show called snapped and it's usually about some woman snapping and killing her boyfriend or husband her spouse and he's like why do you like this show and should i be worried but it's interesting because i just like to see um the inner workings of one why do people think they can get away with outlandish crimes and the work that police officers do to solve the crime because sometimes it's like you you took your cell phone with you you should have just went straight to the police station after you did the crime because they're gonna track you so yeah that's what we that's what we watched a lot of (laughs) during the pandemic and hgtv he's a huge fan of watching that for inspiration and next thing i know he's like we can totally do this we can redo our bathroom no we cannot you can do it but athena will not be taking part (laughs) yeah i'm not doing any myself no (laughs) No. i would people that's that's a that's a that's a favorite a favorite show of my wife's too. So yeah, he yeah. yeah. So I he tolerates my you know yeah. kill the husband shows and I tolerate his. I'm a belt butterfly collector, but I want this two million dollar home. So right. <laughs> that's a great story. Now you've got to I I I um, realized today when I first we started talking here, um, you took an Uber to arrive here at, at the bank for the podcast. So tell us your. Uh, you don't drive. You're the first person I've met that doesn't. I mean, I'm just. It's a great I do story. Not. I don't drive, and I don't even have a license. So, um, 
yeah, I married a built-in chauffeur. My husband loves to be able to take me around, but on days like this when he's busy at work and when I don't time the bus schedule, because I'm a big believer of public educa- uh, public transportation, sure. typically that's how I get around if my husband or my daughter isn't available to drop me off someplace. Um, but in other times I take Ubers. So I grew up in Chicago. None of us really had cars, and we had great public transportation. You could take the train anywhere, or buses took you almost anywhere from the city to a suburb. And so being here for um, one Project Achieve, the program under Nick during the summers, I never was able to complete sort of the driving course that most kids do when they're 16, 17, because I was always down here in Iowa City. And then when I moved down here, I'm like, I don't need a license. I don't, where am I going to put a car? I'm totally fine. And before I knew it, I'm 40 plus years old. And I'm like, I still don't want to drive. Yeah, I'm doing fine. But I, I keep telling my husband and my friends who also sometimes will say, hey, if you need a ride somewhere, I'm off today or off this week, give me a holler. And they're always so kind and gracious enough to offer that I'm happy to teach you how to drive. And I'm like, why do I need to learn how to drive? But okay, I'll keep that in mind. But no, still going strong and not going to get that license anytime soon. It actually (laughs) makes a lot of sense more to hear about this. I'm I'm a little bit jealous now. Truly, (laughs) Iowa City um, has, I live in Iowa City. So oftentimes um, when my husband's not able to take me to work or pick me up, I use public transportation to get to and from my job. Um, And it's just one bus and I can get down there in 12 minutes. So that's not so bad. They have a great app. You can track where, you know, how close the bus is to your bus stop. So you're not outside waiting for too long. I don't use Coralville Transit a whole lot. Um, but they've made some upgrades to their transit system as well. So I'm going to put my plug out there for public transportation. It is great. <laughs> that, that's impressive. Well, good. We should probably wrap this up a little bit. But uh, what are your uh, your goals now going forward? You, I read in your I, I know somewhere. This is your second term of the school board, maybe your last. I mean, oh, it's my last. Yeah, so yes. that'll be eight, that'll last. be eight years, right? That will be eight four years. Four years of both. I mean, that that's a lifetime in yeah. school board well, that's world. A, that's great. We for the were community. talking about how you know things have changed um, with social media. Um, that puts a lot of pressure. Not not pressure necessarily, but sometimes um, it can really knock you down, be demoralizing, um, because people can be anonymous and say some really not so nice things about you out there in social media world, and you're just like, I'm just trying to make a difference. If you don't like it, you come take the seat. Exactly. But this will be my last term. Um, One of the reasons why I ran again, um, well, two reasons. I, I felt as though my job wasn't quite done yet, so I needed a little bit more time to get some things done with the district, you know, making sure we have a diverse staff. Um, We're not quite there yet, making sure that we've tackled the opportunity gaps for some of our minority children, especially black and brown kids and kids that come from poverty. We haven't made a huge dent in that, but also I, I didn't feel as though I did the work of finding somebody willing to take step up and sort of take my seat and say, I want to run and serve after Ruthena. I didn't do that, of laying the groundwork, of making sure there were people in the wing waiting and folks that um, sort of 
share the same passion and understanding for public education as what our leaders do, what they have in a district, as well as the whole purpose of the school board, not to come in and tear things down or just say, I have this sort of yeah. bone to pick with like you guys. Agenda. So One yeah, is, yeah, I'm just going to come and just wipe everything, all the good work that's been done. I want to undo it all. I really want to find somebody that wants to carry on the good work of the school district. So I didn't do that part. So I figure in four years, I will definitely find somebody to do that. Right. You can always run again if you want, Tom. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, about 40 years since oh, I was in the school board. It's so. like riding a bike. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I don't do that either. I've never learned how to ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is a great story. Well, good. Well, this has been this has been lots of fun. So um, since we're now really friends, I, I mean, I'm going to call you to sure. have a tour of the building. I promise you. Yes. I'll be, I'll be in touch do. in a few weeks here, and uh, we'll find a day I can come down and sort of see where you work and get the know you a little bit better and maybe we can do some things together yes i would really love that so definitely stay in touch so we can get that scheduled well thanks a lot i appreciate your being here today thank you tom's new best friend is brought to you by west bank this corridor business journal podcast is produced by joe coffee of coffee grande studios be sure to follow us on facebook and twitter at cb journal